I'm not going to mindlessly go on LinkedIn and big people up because I like to make them feel good about themselves. I think I'm going to be much more purposeful. So what I'd like to do is sit down and have a strategic look at the entire map of stakeholders that I have in my ecosystem and then break it down. The time that I have has to really be focused and disciplined and on purpose. Feeling shaky after maternity or another long leave from work? Comeback Coach is the Wobbly Bottom podcast about kick-ass comebacks with coaching psychologist Jessica Chivers. She's exactly what you need when you're riding the return to work roller coaster. In this coach episode, you're going to eavesdrop on a one-time coaching conversation. Jessica also hosts shorter comeback episodes where we hear the wobbly moments and success stories from someone who's made a comeback. My conversation today is with Laura, an incredibly smart innovation strategist who was recently made redundant after five months of furlough. Laura was working in a small consultancy as the director of innovation and prior to that had her own consultancy, which she's now looking to rekindle. She says she absolutely loves her work and that she's interested in integrity, authenticity and the relationships between team members that support or disrupt innovation. She's a mother of two young children and married to a man with a new big job of his own. We're talking at a point when Laura feels there's a lot to do and that she hasn't quite got the focus she'd like. I hope listening in on this single standalone coaching conversation will be useful to you as you make your comeback. There are more free resources, including details of Comeback Conversations, our free monthly online problem-solving events for people returning to work over on comebackcommunity.co.uk. Link in the show notes. And before we dive in, my thanks to Raiden Solicitors who have sponsored this episode. They're an award-winning family law firm with offices in Hampstead, Beaconsfield, Harpenden, Berkhamstead and St Albans. I was so delighted when they said yes to sponsoring the podcast because I've long admired their ethos around flexibility, which is modelled by all of the partners and the way they've hired talented lawyers who've taken significant career breaks. If you're in need of legal expertise for family matters, please visit raidensolicitors.co.uk. And again, that link is in the show notes. Laura, tell me what's on your mind. Hi, Jess. Well, I'm at an interesting crossroads again. We've been chatting about it over the summer during lockdown, interestingly, but I guess I'm coming back from a period of being furloughed and at the end of that furlough in August being made redundant and restarting my small business because for the last couple of years I've been working in a friend's slightly larger consultancy in innovation and now I'm unexpectedly going back to rekindling my small business, which I'm lucky that I had just waiting in the wings to step into. But I am also feel like I'm facing into a global recession and I wasn't expecting to be flying solo So it's a little bit scary and I am not plugged into my relationships and business development and have loads of projects in the pipeline. I've been doing lots of pro bono work over the summer while I was furloughed, but I need to get back up and running. And I'm really interested to talk to you because you sent a beautiful article through last week just on the Talent Keepers newsletters and it was about rocks, pebbles and sand. And I've been reflecting quite a bit about it because it was sort of challenging whether you're filling your vase, if you like, if your time, your energy, your effort is put into a vase, are you filling it with the rocks, the things that are really important and purposeful, or the pebbles, the things that are necessary and important, but not quite as 
purposeful or the sand, which is like the day-to-day everyday tasks that need to get done? Or are you ticking off the things that you can do easily and quickly, which is the sand and filling it up almost the other way around so that there isn't enough room to put the rocks in? And I was thinking, oh my gosh, that is such a dig in the ribs. I'm so filling my bars with sand, still juggling my childcare. Lots of things have changed in our home situation, working from home. My husband's now working from home. My little one, the youngest has started at nursery, but not full time. So lots of juggling, lots of newness. And definitely I feel like I'm in a bit of a snowstorm and I haven't quite had time to let it settle and to figure out what my rocks might be. And that's where I thought you might be quite a good lady to talk to, Jess. Oh, gosh, you described that so well, much better than I would have done. So what would be the most useful outcome? If if we're going to sit here and talk for, say, half an hour, what do you want to get from this? That's a great question. And I think I have a sense of a number of different rocks. And I know I need to not try and solve everything in the world. There's so much injustice and inequality and things that I feel passionately would like to have a hand in helping to change. And I can't do all of them. So I have a tendency to overgive and bite off more than I can chew. It'd be lovely to simplify and distill down a few rocks to focus on instead of trying to fill the vase just with 20 rocks that might kill me (laughs) and break the vase. Oh, that's a lovely analogy. Okay, so you said that you feel like you're in a snowstorm. There's lots of change going on around you. You talked about juggling childcare. You're processing what has happened to you in the role that you were in. Your husband is in a new role. So there's so much change. And I'm wondering when you think about those rocks, what comes to mind first of all, or which rocks put a smile on your face when you think about them? And and I'm going to take notes as we go. So you might be taking notes as well, but I can take some notes of what you're saying and then send them to you afterwards. So don't you worry, you just do the thinking and the talking. Mm. And I was just thinking about the snowstorm because one of the projects that I'm working on at the moment, which is reimagining the future of education, we were talking about blizzards earlier in the week. And there was this lovely little story that they shared that I've been reflecting on quite a lot that sort of feels intuitively like how I feel at the moment. I wondered if I could just read it to you briefly. So just a little short parrot. And it says there was a time when farmers on the Great Plains at the first sign of a blizzard would run a rope from the back door out to the barn. They all knew stories of people who'd wandered off and been frozen to death, having lost sight of home in a whiteout while still in their own backyards. And today we live in a blizzard of another sort. It swirls around us as economic injustice, ecological ruin, physical and spiritual violence and their inevitable outcome war. It swirls within us as fear and frenzy, greed and deceit and indifference to the suffering of others. We all know stories of people who have wandered off into this madness and been separated from their own souls, losing their moral bearings and even their mortal lives. They make headlines because it's so dramatic. And I've been thinking a lot about the need to create, to almost cultivate my own rope with the notches to get me from the house to the barn, (laughs) which is almost like working from home. It's the commute up the stairs into my office and how to find my way when there is so much swirling around us that's important and feels urgent and necessary. Yeah. So if we go, well, you know, we can either talk about rocks or we can talk about notches on that rope. I suppose if we were talking about the rope, we need to think about where it's being anchored to. So where are you trying to get to? You know, that then becomes a question I think with the rope is where are you trying to get to? So, hey, look, I'm going to give you a choice then. Do we talk about where you're trying to get to and the rope analogy? Or do we go back and talk about those rocks, about what are the big things that you want to have 
in your life over the next 6, 12, 18 months, you set the time frame. What's a more useful framework, the rope or the rocks? Well, I think they're sort of interconnected. So the rocks, definitely. And I think it's almost if the rope were the timeline over the next 12 months, the rocks are almost like the notches, the things that are meaningful that need to be achieved or that need to be worked on. And if I had to pinpoint what those rocks feel like, the biggest one is climate change, is actively doing something towards sustainability and reducing carbon emissions and ensuring that anything that I do isn't going to exacerbate that. And it may be connected into education. That's not just for young people, though I'm interested in young people because I've got young kids, but any age group. I tend to bring that into play through design. So when we're innovating new ideas, when we're developing new services, thinking about the different stakeholders and the way that we do that in an energy efficient and a sustainable way. But I wonder if there's something different there because I've, I've used design because that's the obvious get out for me. There might be something around education and I like to connect people. I'm a very relational person. So being able to build an ecosystem or some groups and different diverse groups of people to have new conversations. I don't know if there's something in there. That's just an emergent thought. So the first one's definitely climate. The second one is definitely Black Lives Matters and just the notion of equity and equality of voice. I've loved working over the last five or six years with the Royal College of Nursing on their Black History Month conference. And I feel like it's a real blind spot in my education. I get so much out of listening and witnessing the really amazing work that they've done within the NHS and particularly within nursing to call out poor behaviour and to empower all nursing staff to be able to be fairer and more compassionate and more aware of their unconscious bias. That's just great work. So I love to work cross-sector. I've worked a lot in pharmaceuticals. I've worked a lot in retail. But I always like to bring some of the best practice from one sector and use it as stimulus and inspiration in other sectors. So I'm sure there's something in there and around the connecting of the dots. And what would the third one be? Empowering women and particularly young women. So, you know, the next, the future generations of women coming through. Those are three pretty massive rocks, though. I feel like I've put some huge, I'm not sure that those rocks fit in my vase. They're so big. <laughs> they are big. And when you, you also talked about education, so there's possibly a fourth rock there. Mm. So it sounds as though those are key themes for your work. That's where you want to focus your attention. If I said to you, look, you've only got, say, one or two days a week. So this really makes you focus the mind if you've only got one or two days a week. And so you've got to choose which of the rocks you put in the vase first. Which would it be? I think it would be climate change because it affects everyone and it has such a massive influence on all the other injustices, all the other inequities, socioeconomic, relational. Yeah, it's the most important issue going on on the planet. So that would definitely be my number one priority. It was really easy for you to say that. Mm, Yeah, it was. So that's obviously something you've thought about a lot. I feel a bit of guilt around it, though. I feel like I should be saying Black Lives Matters at an emotional level. Hmm. I try not to go in for the word should. And when, when I'm working with people and they talk about should, that obviously takes us off on another tangent, just sort of thinking about, OK, well, where's that come from and what can we do about that? But OK, but you've said climate change and that's how you feel. What else comes up then when you think about climate change in the context of your skill set, wanting to rebuild your business and tap into what's important to you, what thoughts start to emerge about what that might be or look like? Well, I suppose the magnetism of the black lives is around diversity and the fact that I know that there are some blind spots in my knowledge 
And one of my skills, which is building relationships, I love building relationships. I love learning new things. And I love to provoke and catalyze and stimulate people by bringing fresh perspectives into the room. So often I do that cross sector, but I wonder if there's something that brings more culture and diversity from the idea that we need to understand each other better that could be brought into the conversations on sustainability. So it's almost like the catalyst for sustainable solutions is bringing more diversity into the room because that's the only way we're going to solve these challenges. I was watching a brilliant film the other day. One of my old university friends has just taken over as the new president of the Institute of Civil Engineers and her talk is all about shaping zero. Her focus for the next year is going to be on reducing carbon emissions. She's the youngest ever president of the ICE. She's the second ever female president and she's a real game changer. She's a real champion of STEM for young people. I absolutely love what she had to say. And I thought the film that she made, which was about 20 minutes long, was really powerful But part of me was just thinking, most of the examples, most of the cabinet ministers, the senior CEOs from renewable energy companies from all around the world, as well as the UK, are white, older men. And I've got to a point where that's not okay for me anymore. I want to be seeing black people of colour and I want to be seeing more women. And there were women and there was a couple of people of colour, but I was quite shocked at how undiverse it was in many ways. And if you think about an issue as big as sustainability, I just can't believe that not inviting the most diverse group of people you can possibly lay your hands on into the room is the most sensible way to go. So there's a kind of link there. There's a tension around how do I challenge myself in the way that I build networks and new relationships and stakeholders for projects, for pieces of work, for designing new experiences, new solutions that are sustainable to make sure that they aren't just an echo chamber of people like me who agree with my view on the world. I almost don't want to hang out with those people so much at the moment. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do. So if we're saying that this focus then is your work focus, because that's what what we're essentially talking about, is how are you going to earn? How are you going to spend your time? And you talked about climate change being the most central thing for you that you want to bring into your working life. And then you talked about how much you enjoy building relationships. And so for you, any work that you do, you want to leverage those relationship building skills and you're very cognizant of the need to bring more diversity into any physical or online room or any project that you're working on because that's how we're going to get to sustainable solutions and you've talked about challenging yourself so if we start to get a little bit more concrete then where are your thoughts about the kind of projects then that you might want to go after or the kind of relationships that you need to rekindle in order to get doing that work? Or have you got that work at your fingertips if you choose to tap into it? I don't think it's necessarily at my fingertips in itself. So if we're thinking about complex engineering or in-depth knowledge of geography, geology, the science of carbon reduction, I'm not a scientist, I'm not a climatologist, I can probably find those people. So I'm sort of trying to calibrate at what level of the system I need to play at. And I've also just come off another really interesting conversation around a justice-based approach to innovation, by which I mean really thinking about the people that are affected by the innovation that you're creating. So almost like a human-centered design, putting the, the people that are affected at the heart of the design. So I guess one paradox that I'm sitting with is, What's the change that I would like to make in the world? Who are are the people who are most affected by that change? And rather than me coming in from my white privileged position to give them advice as a consultant, what would be the most appropriate way for me to engage with 
supporting those people. At one level, you could say, you know, you actively go in and you find a group in a situation where you can facilitate and catalyse change. At the other end of the spectrum, you could say you don't engage with them. You allow them to solve their own problems. You treat them as whole and resourceful beings and you fund them. Maybe you do your work in another area so that you can literally be a supporter, a kind of investor or a supporter of them both of which are possible. So I suppose there will be some areas of the world where you can't physically be there at the moment, particularly with COVID, but you can still make an intervention, you can still support and you can still act. I'd love to have a more hands-on role and I don't think I'm clear enough yet on what that looks like. So I probably need to figure out what the big levers are that would really help with climate change. And the one that I heard the other day from my friend's inauguration speech was reducing carbon emissions, actually, which is not something I've, I've ever really turned my mind to. And yet it would have a profound effect on everything to do with with uh, global warming so i think i need to do a bit of research actually i'm feeling like a bit of a gap in my knowledge that would then plug me into if i can understand better what the steps might be then i'll be able to see more clearly where i already have relationships that i can build and reach out and find new work this all feels a bit abstract at the moment and you're talking about making money so if i have to make money like you know, <laughs> by the end of next month i'm not going to get there if i play too much in that high level game so there's probably going to be a bit of working in parallel. So there's a stream of, of deepening my understanding and knowledge of one part and then moving from where I am at the moment. In its simpler sense, I could just sit down and look at the 860 people I know on LinkedIn and go, right, who here is connected to climate change and carbon emissions? Who could I talk to to start that conversation and, and see where I could go with it? So there's definitely a bit of reaching out to mentors, to supporters, to people that I'm already in relationship with, because that's always going to be a faster route to action. And then there's probably having conversations with people who I know are interested and share a passion for that and are actively doing it within their roles in business and figuring out what unique talent I could bring. I know I'm really good at helping people open up their creativity. I know I'm really good at bringing in fresh perspectives and provoking teams to get to breakthrough solutions instead of the more obvious solutions. So there for sure is some talent and skill set matching that could be done. I just need to figure out where to start and who to speak to. Well, I'm going to take you back to a question that you asked yourself a couple of minutes ago, which is what's the change I would most like to make happen? And so let's go back to that before you go off to those 860 people, because I think you, <laughs> I think you posed yourself a really good question there. I mean, what are your thoughts in response to that? What do you know at the moment about the change that you want to make happen? Well, I suppose I have a sense that there is an urgent need for everyone to be aware of and start to adapt their behaviour around their carbon emissions or their handprint, their footprint on creating carbon dioxide emissions that are damaging our atmosphere. And it doesn't feel urgent still. Somehow people still manage to consume an awful lot of plastic packaging. I look at the recycling that we have every week and it's still ridiculous. You know, we found Tesco's who's doing a project in the southwest of England where I'm based, who have offered to restart recycling in a few of their stores, the plastics that aren't normally recyclable. I don't actually know where that goes. Part of me thinks I really hope, but there's a kind of hope and a blindness to. So what actually happens when I pass on the things that are supposedly non-recyclable to Tesco's? What actually happens? I need to follow through some of these actions to figure out what happens there and, and where there might be some gaps. I'm plugged into lots of retailers. That's definitely it, um, somewhere I could start. And that's a very everyday behaviour, isn't it? Who doesn't need to go to the supermarket and buy food? But there's an awful lot of noise and there's an awful lot of people who've had that conversation for many, many years, 
<sighs> Again, it's a kind of, if I think about the system of our society that we're sitting in and where the best point to make an intervention would be, I tend to go to either to business, to big business like retail, to grassroots business like really interesting sustainable designer in from an ethnic minority in Birmingham, that would be ideal. <laughs> so, I, you know, I am plugging into, I guess there are some platforms that are starting to have conversations more seriously about this, that are bringing together little networks and clusters. So I probably could focus my time and energy on finding the clusters that are already up to speed on it, doing things around it and have enough size to have a voice at a higher level. Because ultimately, if we can't influence at the higher levels of politics and business, the change is going to be relatively slow, unless it's through activism, grassroots activism, which is also another route. But I'm really interested in how to access and influence at the higher levels of the system. And I don't think I've ever quite figured out how you do that. And yet this is the most urgent issue of our time. So I'm probably feeling the most politically active or oriented that I ever have in my entire life, to be honest. That's another of my blind spots. I keep being attracted to blind spots, Jess. This is terrible. I could go down lots of rabbit holes here of like trying to start things that I know very little about. But I do know people who are more plugged into those worlds and are very gifted and are able to access and influence. So I could definitely have conversations to figure out whether those are cul-de-sacs for me or little motorways that could accelerate where I want to go. And you know, when you talk about blind spots and going down cul-de-sacs, I think mm. one of the things that I often offer to coaches as a solution to that or as a way of getting comfortable with that is defining a period of time that you say, this is going to be my time frame where I can just go and explore and I can go and have a look here and go and have a look there. And you know, it's a bit like when you're searching on the internet, isn't it? You, you search for one thing and you, you find it and then there are links to other things. You think, oh gosh, I need to go and have a look at that as well. But defining a period of time that you're saying, I am going to allow myself these four weeks or these six months or however long it might be to say, I'm just going to go where my interest lies. I'm doing some research. It's obviously helpful if you've got a research question so you know what you're trying to go after. But if you can just somehow ring fence some time to do that and at the end of it say, okay, I've had my four weeks or I've had my six months where am I going to go from here? Because now it has to be about making some decisions and some focus. But it's okay to go down cold stacks and explore these blind spots. But I think there probably has to be an end point. Otherwise, you're just going to carry on in I'm a state of exploration. Blizzard, aren't I? <laughs> well, well, totally. It's okay. So here's a really practical question. At what point does the earning have to ramp up? And maybe that's not the right question. But you know, what are the financial parameters here for you how much longer can you go on in an exploration mode without earning I reckon three months and I have some irons in the fire to do some projects over the next month or so but to actually shift from projects that I can do to projects that I really want to do I reckon maybe 10 weeks would be a good thing because that would take me through to mid-jan I'm just sort of hesitating around saying two months to the end of the year because of Christmas and because there's so much uncertainty around quite what will happen whether I'll be homeschooling the kids again but I think eight to 10 weeks, eight weeks would take, you know, if, if we count November, December, I almost feel like if I had till mid-January, those couple of weeks would allow me to just get back in and into my flow and gear up for the year ahead. And these are all conversations that are hopefully kindling, sparking the fire that I want to light in the world. And so I don't see them as not relevant to earning money. I see the route to earning money is actually building great relationships and having that 
symbiotic relationship between I have something really valuable to offer and you have a need and this is a really important purposeful thing to be working on let's get together and do amazing things in the world also the wider conversations those wider relationships pushing myself out my comfort zone to speak to some different groups when you do get the projects just make those projects much more interesting you can bring those voices into the projects and really ramp up what you can do So going back to something you said at the start of our conversation about you described rocks, pebbles, sand. What are you not going to do over the next three months? You know, if you're going to put this climate rock in your vase, if that's going to be the big thing that you focus on, perhaps say something about what you're not going to do because you're not going to have time for everything. I'm not going to mindlessly go on LinkedIn and big people up because I like to make them feel good about themselves. I think I'm going to be much more purposeful. So what I'd like to do is sit down and have a strategic look at the entire map of stakeholders that I have in my ecosystem and then break it down. The time that I have has to really be focused and disciplined and on purpose. If it's not pointed to making that happen, it shouldn't be happening. So I would like to probably define almost like do an ingredients list if I was baking a sustainable you know reduce the carbon emission cake for the earth I would like to put the ingredients into my list and then give time to that and say okay so every week I'm going to sit down and spend two hours looking at my ecosystem then I'm going to identify 10 people that I want to speak to initially and I'm going to spend two hours doing that reaching out to them it'll probably take me a couple of hours to track them all down and see if they're up for having conversations then have some conversations and I'd like to do some research, some additional reading, maybe attend some seminars that are related to those people. Because I always feel like just speaking to people without doing your homework is disrespectful. So maybe that they are actively doing things that would be really useful for me to absorb conferences, talks, anything to do with that. So almost like define that ingredients list and then chunk it down into time and then have the notches on my blizzard rope It's almost like I'm totally horribly mixing my metaphors, but if my my rock, if my rock in the vase is sustainability and there are eight notches on the rope leading me through the blizzard, I need to define what those eight rocks might be that are going to get me to working on a really great bit of work next year. And it starts with relationships and then it has to move into bidding for potential tenders and finding out where the funding is and where there might be larger clusters of organisations that are already bidding for that work and I might be able to partner with them or whether that's something I want to do off my own bat as a kind of entrepreneur and get involved with and bid for myself and also just talk to my network who I I know are actively involved in it because maybe they've got projects they didn't realize I was interested in working on so until you have those conversations often the opportunities aren't even visible to you so I need to define the notches on my rope and I need to define the ingredients for my sustainability cake Okay, so you've got your first notch on the rope, which is relationships. I've drawn a little picture of a rope here. So it sounds as though those seven are something that you will think about separate to our conversation today. When's going to be your first opportunity to think about those seven so that you've got your way ahead really clear? When can you do that? I could do that definitely this week. I'd like to do that by the end of this week. So I've got a clear plan. Yeah. Will you draw a picture, right? And how will you create that so it's really compelling for you and it keeps you focused? I mean, I don't know if the rope with the notches on it, it's quite nice. It's quite evocative, actually. It feels quite authentic to how I feel. So yeah, I think I might draw a picture of me 
in the blizzard on one side with the weather changing from blizzard because we're going to solve some sustainability issues and improve the extreme weather conditions in the world coming out into some springtime sunshine coming out of that winter into the spring and have the eight different notches pointing like stepping stones to get me to the spring oh laura i love that that's so beautiful kind of feels like we're coming to the end but before we do I know that you have lots of responsibilities at home and I also know because you've told me that you have so many interests you're really smart you speak five languages you know your mind buzzes constantly and you are such a giver what is going to help you to focus 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 on this the climate piece the carbon emission mission rather than get pulled off into those other interesting areas that feel equally worthy of your time and interest? How are we going to keep you focused? I was just wondering if I need to have some concrete kind of way of measuring my own carbon emission. could be literal, but it could also be metaphorically like, if I'm serious about this, then how do I measure and hold myself to account and communicate to the world that I've actually made a step in the right direction? As a consultant, there's always a tendency to preach, well, not preach, hopefully, but to give your energy to everybody else's business. And I think there's something also around ensuring that my business is absolutely walking the talk and living and breathing that ethos as well. So I could definitely set myself a goal around having two projects in the fire by the middle of January that are related to sustainability and not necessarily specifically reducing carbon emissions, but ideally in that direction. And then also having some tracking in place to look at how my personal footprint can be reduced. I already drive an electric car, but I'm sure there's other ways where I can actively role model what it is that I want, the change that I want to create in the world. And I'd quite like to have some, maybe it's where I donate some of the profits of my business to, but have some kind of galvanizing goal that is going to root me to my purpose. If my purpose is to actively play a role in sustainability and and our impact on the earth, then my business goals and what I do with my time and energy and my money has to reflect that. Mm. And will that be enough to keep you focused on that and not to be diverted into other things that capture your attention? Yeah, I think so. And the other very simple thought I had was I have a snowstorm. I could just keep that on my desk and shake it at myself every day. And almost like when I write out my to-do list, which I already prioritise, have the things that are going to get me to springtime and to a more balanced, harmonious earth. And almost like have the rock section of my to-do list, which is what's going to get me to my rock. Almost draw it out as rocks, pebbles and sand. What are the little things that need doing? What are the medium-sized things that need doing? And what are the big things that need prioritising in my week? And making sure the time doesn't get eaten up by the sand. It gets proportionally divided up so that everything gets done, but it gets done without losing sight of the most important bits. Oh, Laura, that's fantastic. That visual representation and that active thinking at the start of each week about where your attention is going to go, I think is genius. So what have you heard yourself say today or what have you written down or what's still going around your head that is most useful to you? Oh, gosh, I mean, so much, Jess. I've got a picture here of the rope coming out of the blizzard into springtime. I feel like you've just made me realise I'm living a kind of seasonal cycle of my own business, bedding down for winter and resourcing myself and gearing up for where I really want to be playing next year. So I've got my rope with my timeline with a really explicit kind of holding myself to account time frame. 
the notches on that rope, the stepping stones that are going to get me to that spring, the, just the visual of the pebbles, the rocks and the sand in the vase. I think I'm actually going to make a to-do list visual and I'm going to send it to you with yes. you know, the, yes. the rocks, the pebbles and the sand so that I can really start to embed that in my thought processes because it's one thing to say it, but actually enacting that. I think there's a little kind of intellectual leap that I need to make there, but just so valuable. And the change that I most want to make is reconnecting me to my purpose, which is obviously the start point for any profound bit of breakthrough or innovation in the world. So really thank you for holding my feet to the fire or, I don't know, holding my toes to the blizzard, whatever Mm. the analogy is. (laughs) Oh gosh, you painted such lovely pictures this morning and I would love to see your drawings of the, the rock listing, the rope going from winter to spring. And it's been such a pleasure to sit here this morning and ask a few questions and listen to you think out loud. So thank you for allowing me into your thoughts. And yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. Oh, bless you, Jess. That's very kind. I can't wait to see what happens either. So thank you for re-energising and giving me renewed focus. I really appreciate you. You're welcome. What a noble purpose Laura has, and I feel so humbled to have listened to her thoughts. After 16 years of doing what I do as a coach, I still love it, and I feel privileged still every time to be let in on people's thinking. I think coaching is such a fantastic tool for making sense of what's on your mind and finding a way forward. And if the conversation with Laura has moved you in any way, and you'd like to tell me about it, the easiest way is on Twitter using the handle ComebackComUK. That's C-O-M-E-B-A-C-K-C-O-M-M-U-K. And it's in the show notes. And remember, there are more free goodies to support your return over on ComebackCommunity.co.uk, where you'll also find a blog post with Laura's stunning visuals that she sent me right after our conversation about her goals and how she's going to get there. And they really are very beautiful. And finally, every month we run a live themed problem solving session, which happens on a Tuesday night at 8pm London time. They're with me and a special guest. They're pithy, practical and positive and they're absolutely free. And they're all about returning to work. Suitable for you, whether you're preparing for leave, currently away on leave, or whether you are perhaps even a couple of years back and you're still struggling with some aspects of your career onward progression. Come along and join us, absolutely free on the website. I hope to see you there soon.